from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. 72 was a very climactic year. Um, if you look into it, um, just the raising and the displacement of the residents there was something that really, you know, it, it really sat with me. And I think a lot of times, it, it again, that's buried history. I'm Sarah Fetsky. Lindsay Ellis's debut novel isn't just the story of a family, of Justine Holmes and her three grown children. It's also the story of St. Louis. From the demolition of the Pruitt-Igo Towers to the death of Michael Brown, the city's history is intricately woven into the Holmes family history. The novel is called Bone Broth. It comes out June 1st. And joining us today to discuss it is author Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Lindsay, your novel begins about a month after Michael Brown was shot. But rather than begin on the streets with protesters, you begin with a woman for whom the protests seem to be mostly background noise. Who is Justine Holmes, the matriarch in this story? Sure. Yeah, Justine Holmes is a woman who's just lost her husband not too long before um, all this happened. She's a widow, and she's coming to terms with not only the loss of her husband uh, for uh, that she's been married to for some decades, but also um, she's trying to come in, come to terms with her grief, and then eventually her main her identity, her core. Um, so she's going, she's grappling with a lot, um, and in between that, she's uh, she's actually starting off at the at a funeral where she's like a a funeral thief. You'd have to read it to, to find out <laughs> all the details to that. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what she is, and that's how she's um, kind of coping with this. But she's also a former activist, and so the, the her kids, mainly her her um, oldest, her oldest daughter Raina, um, actually comes across some. Um, some coverage of her in her past days before she, you know, settled down and, you know, had a family and uh, became, you know, a wife and raised her kids. Um, but she finds footage of her in her days of activism. And so that's how we, we actually cross, you know, the, the years of um, activism and history in St. Louis. Yeah, so Justine has this this hidden past. Her three children knew nothing about this. And it turns out that she was involved. I don't want to give away too much here, but since yeah. you, you kind of acknowledged it there, small spoiler, you will still enjoy this even knowing this. But it turns out that that uh, as a young woman, Justine was involved in the activism surrounding the Veiled Prophet Ball. Um, yes. And this was basically trying to unmask the symbol of white supremacy in the early mm -hmm. 70s. And this is so pivotal to the novel. Lindsay, I was curious, as a St. Louis-based native who's, you know, you're writing for a much broader audience, were you worried it would be hard for them to even understand this bizarre veiled prophet concept that, that St. Louis has had some time to get its head around? Oh, my gosh, I was. Um, because, I mean, I know how I felt when I, when I first heard about it. Um, and I mean, it, it's weird how it happened. I, I actually hadn't researched it or known too much about it until, um, you know, I, I left St. Louis for a little bit. And when I started, you know, just researching and I was like, wow, this is this is really something, you know, that is is uh, important, you know, significant to uh, St. Louis roots, you know, a lot of uh, the racist past. And I just think I feel that it's important for everybody to know. Um, we, we get so caught up in, you know, knowing St. Louis for in general gets caught up in knowing, you know, other people's histories and other towns history and, and you know, uh, 
the geographical history of this country, but I feel like in terms of local history and regional history, it's something that's missing out. So I definitely, you know, I was very appreciative to to learn more about that and kind of help spread the word. Did you end up doing a lot of research into into what happened? You're 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 young. You obviously weren't there at the time the, <laughs> no, the no. prophet was unveiled. <laughs> no. um, did you go into the archives to to learn more about how the activists pulled it off? I did the History Museum, which is is just amazing. If if you're in St. Louis or ever in St. Louis off of Skinker, the History Museum there is wonderful. Uh, my alma mater, Mizzou, they have a historic Missouri Historical Society there. Uh, spent hours and days, <laughs> pretty plenty of months there when I when I could get there. So yes, it, I definitely tried to delve into it, and I wanted it to be um, as organic and you know accurate as possible. So it's not just that history you get into; you also get into the history of the Pruitt Igo Towers and yes. Justine and and her best friend Bev. You place them as having lived in this public housing complex that ended up just becoming a symbol of of so many things that were wrong in in the country and. Then, you know, so many fights continue to this day about what went wrong at Pruitt Igo. You have your mm-hmm. characters um, have some of those fights. Did you end up doing a lot of research into the Pruitt Igo situation as well? I did. Uh, just the raising of that, that housing project um, in 72. 72 was a very climactic year, um, if you look into it. Um, just the raising and the displacement of the residents there was something that really you know, it, it really sat with me. And I think a lot of times, it, it again, that's buried history here. Like a, a lot of people don't um, know about it or, you know, it, it kind of just kind of gets grazed over. So that was very important for me to, to research that. And it seems like it's, it's not just important for you as an author, but for Justine as a character, her Pruitt-Igo experience looms so large. It seems like as we, we listen to the internal voice in her head, um, she seems to frequently harken back to that experience. Why do you think that was so seminal for her? I, I think it's just this idea of um, just a hidden identity and not really knowing how to grapple with the past. Like mm-hmm. it's a part of her life, but she had s- moved on, so to speak, or tried to move on. And I think without being able to um, accurately reconcile her past, it kind of just stuck with her which is the reason why she's, you know, going to these funerals trying to, like, you know, piece together her own past with pieces of other people's past. And so um, it's just this whole idea of unresolved grief, which is really a a huge theme in the novel itself. Hmm. So I'm glad you brought up again this this idea of being a funeral thief, because this was something that was <laughs> unknown to me prior to reading this novel. Um, Justine basically goes to funerals and steals items off of off of the bodies there. Mm-hmm. Is this something that uh, that you've ever known of, of someone doing? I have not. <laughs> but <laughs> you'd be surprised. I mean, people deal with again, this is just, you know, people deal with their grief in very different ways. And mm-hmm. a lot of ways it would be surprising to a lot of us. Um, and this was just, I, I think, her way of just emotionally acting out because it was something she wasn't able to come to terms with what was going on around her, her environment, what had happened to her in the past. And so this was just her way of um, coping with it. This was the only way she knew to cope with it. Hmm. I'm always so curious to know which, which parts of an author's world are imagined and, and which parts are <laughs> things that are drawn from their life. And, mm-hmm. and you have not just Justine, but you have her three children who we get to know throughout the course of this novel. They're all very different. And I'm wondering if you felt that one of them um, was drawn more on your life or somebody that you identified with more than the, more than the other two. 
Actually, not. I mean, a lot of people think Raina because, you know, she's this person coming home from the Bay Area and I lived in the Bay Area for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but Raina is somebody I would aspire to be like. I, I love her. She's just like this courageous person. But I, I feel like if anybody, um, I feel like I'm more, you know, drawn to Lois as a, you know, as a person. I, I don't think um, any of this actually is coming from my life or anything, but um, I mean, the, the characters all have their certain way. You know, you, every writer identifies at least with, you know, some a character in their book in one way or another, mm-hmm. just little pieces of them. But And you say um, for yeah, you, I all of them. Lois mm-hmm. was one where you maybe felt some kinship. Lo- Lois is kind of the achiever. She wants to, to um, you know, succeed in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I I feel like, you know, she's the one who, you know, stayed behind and she's trying to hold everything together for everybody. Mm -hmm. And again, she's kind of focused on, you know, um, grieving herself and, you know, a lot of unresolved grief or whatnot. And, you know, she's this middle child trying to hold it together. Um, But yeah, at the same time, she's kind of wrapped up in, you know, well, how would I make it out in the world? How do I, you know, focus with it? Which I think is, you know, a a very accurate, you know, portrayal of a lot of people. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people have those those dreams and, you know, things that they're trying to work towards. So, yeah, in that way, yeah, she definitely has expectations. I would say I would say that. So there's a great scene. The scene made me laugh out loud. Lois goes to a party (laughs) in Northern California, and she Mm -hmm. finds herself just running headlong into some stereotypes about St. Louis. I'm going to read a Mm -hmm. a short quote from this scene. (laughs) You have such a cute drawl, one party goer tells her. Where are you from again? And when Lois says Missouri, the person responds, misery. Someone else (laughs) asks if she's ever been in a tornado. And they also ask her about cow tipping. And they talk about Missouri like it's the deep south. When you have these kind of clueless California trying to make sense of Missouri. Did you draw on your time as a St. Louis resident living in Northern California when you crafted that scene? Well, uh, I mean, I will say this a lot. I did get, I did get asked a lot of questions like that. Um, but it's not just California. It, it feels like a lot of places, you know, just don't realize, I guess, people who haven't spent time in the Midwest uh, specifically, you know, have these, you know, assumptions or, mm-hmm. you know, these preconceived notions of what it is to live in St. or in the Midwest in general. Um, and a lot of people, you know, didn't even realize that people of color live here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or, you know, that there's any cities outside of, you know, Chicago and Detroit, which there's plenty, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot. So yeah, I kind of was just trying to speak to those misconceptions and how people, you know, come up with that. Mm-hmm. We're talking to author Lindsay Ellis. Her new book is Bone Broth. It comes out June 1st. It's now available on pre-order. We have a link to that on our website if you want to get a copy. I really enjoyed this novel. And I think for anybody wanting to learn more about St. Louis history, but also just read a really good story woven in it, this novel does that. Uh, And Lindsay, one of the big themes I think that I picked up on as a reader is this question of staying put in St. Louis versus leaving. At one point, you have a character who moved to California, and he's confronted by another character for, quote, running off to other cities to be in the company of those just like him. And this character, Ahmad, responds, what is it with you people and the guilt trips you all love to put on anyone who's explored anything outside of this damn city? And the other character, Theo, responds, it's not a guilt trip. It's owning up to your responsibilities, not running from them. And it seems like the book kind of came down on the side that you kind of have to, you have to come back. You have to deal with with your responsibilities to your family and also to your city, to St. Louis. Is is that something that you feel? I do in in a lot of ways. And I I think um, 
in terms of that, it's it's all about you can't run from who you are. You know, mm-hmm. no where no matter where you go, right? You you're always going to be you, and you're always going to have you know these things on you, um, whether it's memories or you know other things. You're just always going to be you. So it's just this matter of not running from you know who you are, no matter where you go. I do believe in some cases a lot of people do have to move away to make a way. I totally believe that, um, but I don't feel like there's any anything wrong I think it's just extraordinary when I hear people you know going back to their roots you know even if it's just for a little time or if they plan to stay or however that you know uh plays out so it was just the whole idea of every the characters in this all of them are running in their own way Mm -hmm. whether it's physically or emotionally psychologically all of that like and the the whole idea again is unresolved grief and how you can't you can't run from yourself no matter what. You just have to, you know, at some point in time, you have to face it and deal with who you are and uh, your role in this in this life. And I loved the title of this novel, Bone Broth, and it was only in the final chapter that I began to understand how that played into this. Um, tell us what you meant when you decided to, to title this Bone Broth. Well, Bone Broth, if a, a lot of people um, know Bone Broth is like a, a traditional type of recipe, and it's it's huge in a lot of areas. I've heard it been you know you you, you excuse me used here or mm-hmm. made here a lot a recipe made here a lot. Um, but it's the bone broth is meant to heal. It's like a healing type of mechanism. So in this you know it, it again it plays with the theme of just this healing needed you know for this whole community um, and this family. You know it, you're we're humanizing a lot of a lot of things in it. And so I just thought it would be a great way, um, a great play off of that. And um, of course, the recipe definitely comes up in the book. I won't give away any <laughs> of it, but there is a twist with the bone broth uh, for people who like to know. So uh, <laughs> You have to read yeah, the book to get that. Exactly. But, but yeah, but that title will make comfy. sense. <laughs> yes, it will. It definitely will. And it's, just, it's supposed to be this, you know, homey, comfort. You know, a food that represents like a comfort food, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But there, there's definitely a twist with that. So, Lindsay, I imagine uh, people are, are curious to hear a little bit about your life. You grew up in fluorescent. Um, mm-hmm. What was your, your childhood like? Did, were you one of these people who always knew you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I did. I, I guess from the time I was about seven or so, I just, you know, I would have these, you know, stories that I'd send to the, you know, elementary school and uh, I remember being in a spelling contest that I, I won around that time, sixth grade or something like that, jury school. Shout out to jury school. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I always knew it. And it's like it's it was, you know, I just I just didn't know how it would, you know, come to be. And I just it kind of just stuck with me. And I, I'm kind of glad it did. And I've, I've met so many wonderful writers here and away. It's just it's just amazing to have that community to help support and nurture that. So you studied at Mizzou. They obviously have an amazing journalism program. There are a yes. lot of great writers have come out of that. Uh, did mm-hmm. that give you the training you needed? Or what, is that something you found when you moved out to Oakland? Um, I think Mizzou helped like plant the seed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I think moving away uh, to California uh, and going to uh, California College of the Arts where I got my master's in writing, um, that definitely, I guess, sealed the deal, so to speak. So I think it was a combination of both those, both those places. Um, I value very much just the time at both. And when did you start working on the, the piece that would become ultimately Bone Broth? 
Oh my God. Is this a long <laughs> Two, time ago, Lindsay? It, it's, a, it's a long time in the making, let me tell you. I don't even think we have enough time for that. <laughs> but I started on it at, at uh, California College of Arts. It was like, what, 2005? Or, yeah, and, and I, I shelved it for a while because, you know, it was, it was, I was picking it up, I was putting it down, I had to live, you know, it's not necessarily cheap out in California, so I had to live mm-hmm. and pay the bills um, while I was working on it, so yeah, I put it down a, a lot, and then, you know, um, I, I was determined to finish it, whether I stayed there or moved here or wherever I went, I, I definitely knew I wanted to finish it. And did the book change a lot um, in those years that you had to walk away from it and, and then come back and, and see it with new eyes? Oh, yes, it, it definitely did. I mean, from I mean, I always knew it was like an, uh, it started with a funeral scene. That's that's about. And then Justine, she's just been the main character um, throughout. And um, this family is just, just really grown on me. Um, but, yeah, as I picked it up, uh, 2014, of course, was a very pivotal year with the Ferguson unrest. And I wanted to kind of make the statement, you know, it didn't, you know, the stuff here in terms of, you know, the racist past and a lot of the, the racial um, conflict or so, it did not start with that. It, that's, that's basically a symptom um, and it's, it's, it's an unearthing of a lot of things that, that have gone on here that I think it's important for everybody, specifically, you know, disadvantaged communities, the underrepresented communities here to know about. Just know your history, know where you're from, you know, and move forward from that. So this has now been more than 15 years all told, and I know you weren't working nonstop during that time, but that's a, a no. long time to have this marinating in your brain, to have this, this mm. broth seeping. What is it like now to have this ready on June 1st to share this with the world? Oh my gosh, it's, I can't even describe it. The feeling is just indescribable. I mean, I'm sure any, any author, you know, who's had, you know, their work and they've been toiling with it for a long time and then to have it actually released and put out into the world, that, that's like, that's your baby. So that's, that's, that's really how I feel. And I, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't even, wouldn't even have happened. This wouldn't have even transpired if it wasn't for um, Hidden Timber Books, which I have to give a shout out. And Christy Craig, she is amazing and phenomenal support with this. They're um, a Milwaukee-based publisher. And I'm just so happy and, and grateful that she, you know, took a chance on me in this book. So in our just final moments here, real quick, um, are you working on another novel now that this one is all done? I am working on another project. It's, it's a short story collection, actually, though. But um, definitely, you know, still writing, still trying to, you know, get stuff, get stuff done in that, in that area. So I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for you. And, and like I said, I just really enjoyed this book. I, I hope people will read this. Uh, there's a link to it on our website, stlpr.org, if you want to get your own copy. Uh, Lindsay Ellis, thank you so much for joining us today. And congratulations on just this big milestone. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.